daily lives, etc. Why you can include in this, for example, smoking. Why, why, why smoking becomes something sinful from this point of view? Because when a person becomes an addict to cigarettes, he has submitted his will to others than Allah. He can't give it up. He doesn't have the will to give it up. And this is something which is harmful to him, which he knows is harmful, and which, you know, is cursed, it is prohibited, but he cannot give it up because he has submitted his will to it. If Islam does not want us to submit our wills to anything, anyone but Allah. Okay, this is it. Thank you and shukran. No, that's you. Jazakallah khair. Jazakallah khair and thank you. Why, yes. You're welcome. Now, you see, in this area here now, when we go beyond Assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam into other ways of expressing thanks, not among Muslims even, to say shukran, or to say Jazakullah Khair, of course, Jazakullah Khair is better than just Shukran. It's better. Because you are also asking, you are also asking Allah to reward that person with good for the good that they have done. It is more than just saying, I appreciate what you have done. So, it is, that one is better. But to say Shukran is okay. Okay, but what are you saying when you say Jazakullah Jazakumullah khair, it means, or Jazakumullah khair, it means, may Allah reward you with good, for the good you have done. Well, I'm sorry, I've not done any research into that field. Brothers uh, said that he heard that the Prophet only responded giving thanks by saying Jazakallah Khair and that he was not reported that he responded by saying Shukran I have not done research I don't recall to, 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 to do that you know and um, that's something maybe uh, we can ask some of the brothers to check for us yes Yeah, I guess this could be used, you know, where this hadith which the Imam mentioned, Man lam yashkur in nas, whoever doesn't thank the people, using the term shukran here, shukr, doesn't thank Allah. So the term shukr is here, he didn't say, whoever doesn't say to people, Jazakallah khair. <laughs> so this could be, you know, indirectly used to say, well, it does say shukran, you know. Yeah, you know the term shukr, you know, uh, you know, giving thanks is something which includes all of the various methods. Jazakumullah khair is just a way, another method of 
Shukr. I'm giving thanks. Yes, this is dua. Shukran by itself, maybe not, but if you consider, if you have, your intention behind it is, if your intention behind it is, um, uh, saying, for example, um, there's a, there's a way it was just in my mind, it's me. Shukran Allahu Lakum, you know, may Allah uh, give thanks to you. You know, if, I, if that is my intention behind it, then my term shukran can be carrying the same, you know. Sure. She has been in this state for the last 25 years. Uh, she has raised her children as Muslims, doing the same thing. But she is married. She's yeah, here in Saudi Arabia. But she is married to a non-Muslim all this time, and she has not declared herself to be a Muslim. If you ask her, "Are you a Muslim?" She will say no, for fear that if she declares herself to be a Muslim, her husband would divorce her. No, she would have to divorce him. Oh, she fears that she would have to divorce him. Well, this is a case where our sister, with all of the best of intentions, is committing shirk. She has turned her love Shirk is a form of idolatry, worshipping others besides Allah. This is shirk. Well, how does she do it here? Because love ultimately should be directed to Allah alone. That ultimate source of love which is going to determine your actions. She has now directed that form of love which belongs to Allah to her husband. So, she loves her husband so much that she would prefer to displease Allah by not declaring her faith and keep her husband than to displease her husband by having to divorce him and please Allah. See, the reality is that if 
she is in fact a Muslim, then for these 25 years she has been living in sin. Because for a Muslim woman to be married to a non-Muslim man, this is a sin. She is committing fornication. So for these 25 years, day in day out, she is building fornication, sin of fornication on herself. So though she may pray, she may fast, do the other actions, the body of sin that she has built up against herself in terms of this continual fornication and directing a part of her worship to other than Allah, this may cancel the effect of what Islam she has. And she may not benefit from it in the next life. Her children may come up and become Muslims and they are benefited. But she may not. Of course, ultimately this is with Allah. Huh? Ultimately it is with Allah. But if we were to judge things as they are, we would say that that woman in not declaring her faith, and it is not under a case of duress. You see, if it was a case where a woman became a Muslim secretly, but did not announce it to her husband for fear that her husband might kill her, or her family might kill her. You know, you have some families that are very, you know, violently anti-Islamic, you know. So, for fear of her life, she keeps her Islam secret. That's a different circumstance. You know, that is permissible. But in this case where it is that she fears losing her husband because of her love for her husband, then this is not permissible. This is not a justifying circumstance. This becomes an act of shirk on her part. And she is in sin. No way out. The only way out for her is to declare her Islam. And if her husband refuses to accept Islam, to separate from her husband. Well, there are different opinions, you know, as far as separating, it means initially separating in the bed. I mean, that, as soon as she declares her Islam, that stops immediately. Because every act after that is fornication. In terms of actually leaving the home and, you know, everything else, she can give the person an opportunity to find out about Islam and to accept Islam in a reasonable amount of time when she sees that, you know, if the person is responding positively and is coming towards Islam, then she can continue. But if she sees that he is just away and not interested and opposed and trying to create difficulties for her and to stop her from practicing herself, then she needs now to get up. Well, the question is not of which is better. I already said that what she's doing is haram. So the only way out for her. To declare her Islam but remain with him. But now she has to declare Islam. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, it is better for her to declare her Islam and remain with the man than not to declare her Islam. 
And the best is for it to declare Islam and get away from the man. Because of course, surely, to declare Islam, at least that puts her in the category of Islam. And uh, the separation is something that she has to struggle with. Now that's a better situation than for her to remain not declaring her Islam. Yeah. If the children grew up as Muslims and, and declared their own Islam, and if she died in that state, they couldn't even ask Allah's forgiveness for her. Uh, was a and he was a demon. Yes, sir. Question about my kids, uh, to protect her from terror. And that is also a good example. To save her from terror. Yeah. But, I mean, an example of, of what? From sin. 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 From The reality of her circumstance is very difficult to bring it into this context. I mean, only thing that we can use in this context here is the, is the fact that this person, in spite of the fact that she was married to, you know, a leader of this belief, that she turned to Allah. Allah gives her as an example of, you know, the best of women, you know, who sought uh, his protection and sought to do righteousness in spite of her circumstance. But we have a practical circumstance here now, you know, um, Alhamdulillah, we can say for her she should make the dua of, you know, the wife of Phil, but, it, we, it, I mean, it needs also a declaration of faith. You know, um, in her, in the case of the wife of Phil, uh, we don't know that she did not declare her faith and this was something secret, or, you know, in her case, in any case, you know, Phil, what he would have done to her is a different circumstance. She is not staying with Phil because uh, she, she, she didn't declare her faith because she didn't want to lose Phil, She's asking God to save her from him. This is different from the, the circumstance we have here where we have a woman who is in love with her husband doesn't want to leave him. Yes, yes. I mean, we, the, but the main point for her, as we said, is that she needs to declare her faith. This is number one for her. And then she has to deal with the issue of separating from her husband. This is what is required of her according to the Sharia. Uh, but it is better for her if she feels that she cannot let her husband go, her weakness is there, 
it is better for her to declare her faith and remain with her husband than to not declare her faith. This is the, this is the point, you know, uh, in terms of the steps that she could take. You know? Yeah, she can, she can declare her faith. Let's say it's allowable to, to declare her faith and stay with her husband. You know, this is, it is sinful. But it's a lesser sin. You know, they're not declaring their faith because that will determine, you know, ultimately heaven and hell for her. So the declaration of her faith, she should start with that. But I have to revert the situation. For instance, the, the case is uh, demand is Muslim and then the woman is Christian. So they married and then after how many years, in spite of the demand is for uh, so all the style the downward to the husband and the husband and uh, the wife has to be wife and then the wife remains as if it has embraced after how many years. So if you cannot run to divorce the wife, if they were both Christians and he converted to Islam and tried to bring his wife into Islam and he failed, he does have the option of divorcing her. He may do that. He may do that. But if he was a Muslim and he married her as a Christian, then to divorce her because she didn't become Muslim this would not be correct on his part. Because he married her knowing that she was a Christian. But if she made a promise to him that I will become a Muslim, I just want to learn more about Islam and so on, so on, so on, he married her on that basis, then again, he could have the right to divorce her. But if he married her because he had a choice, he could have married a Muslim or married a non-Muslim. And he chose to marry a non-Muslim. Then for him to divorce her because she's a non-Muslim, it's not right. It's unfair. No, but you are allowed to marry a non-Muslim. Islam permits you to marry a Christian or a Jew, not a Buddhist or a Hindu. But you see, so since that is permissible to you, and you chose to take that permission, then you cannot divorce her based on your choice. I was uh,
Yeah, it's in the Philippines. There's also this, that uh, the No, actually, in Islam, you must give dowry, right? But okay, you would not have to give on the scale that is required in those. Uh, but the point is that still, what do you do? In this circumstance, the, the advice would not be still go marry a Christian. The advice would be convert a Christian to Islam and marry her. This is the best way for you to start off on the best footing. Convert her to Islam and don't let her become Muslim just because she wants to marry you. But let her become Muslim and learn Islam, know what Islam is. Marry her, then you have, you have, you have gained in both the dunya and the akhirah. You've gained in the dunya in the sense that you didn't have to spend all that money for mahar, and you gain in the akhirah because you've invited somebody to Islam. You know? So this is, this is really advice. Not just to go out and marry any Christian. Yeah, you know, again, though, brother, you see, you're building a verse which implies, because the verse says, do not marry a mushrika, this is a, an idolater, until she believes, right? Which we, in, if we take that verse, and it goes on to say, and even a slave Muslim is better because she is a believer than that uh, that uh, idol uh, idolater, you know, who is even though she may be appear very beautiful to you, you're very much attracted to her. Now, but this principle, though, brother, you see, if we were to take that and apply to that circumstance, this verse by itself implies that it is haram for you to marry a Christian. You see, well, this verse is not applicable here. This verse is not applicable here because that an exception has been made in that verse by the other verse wherein Allah says that the and So we have another verse which is accepted out of the general category of idolaters, the believing uh, uh, chaste Christian women or Jewish women we may also marry. And the point is that, as I said, Given the circumstance that you are going in, if the society is not Islamic society, you know, where you're marrying a Christian or a Jew, you'll be then putting yourself into a situation of difficulty. Raising your children as Muslims will become difficult for you, then it is possible to avoid that. And in any case, as I said, by converting that woman to Islam, you gain in both this life and the next. Thank you.
Where is your wife, please, brother? I just want to give you a words, of course. This is something which is required of us. I mean, nobody is suggesting that she should be given an ultimatum. <laughs> you know, nobody is suggesting that. Of course, it should be done, you know, in, in the best way possible. But the information should be given to her that it is better for her because this is not so much destabilizing anyway. To tell her it is better for her to declare her Islam and remain with him than not to declare her Islam, that's not destabilizing. The destabilizing factor comes when you advise her to do what she knows she should do. You see, because remember, she's not declaring her Islam because she understands that when she does so, that will require her to separate from her husband. So she knows that she should do that. So the idea here is for us to tell her to make the first step which is declaring her Islam let her know that if she remains with her husband though it is haram though it is forbidden it is sinful it is better for her to declare her Islam and do that than not to declare her Islam well that's another story she just afraid that she declared it automatically divorced. But I think the problem. Well, maybe to clarify for her, because she might be under the... Well, maybe to clarify for her, because she might be under the impression that she is yeah. up, yeah, that automatic divorce that she is required. Uh, it is automatic, no, it's, it's, it's automatic, um, not automatic divorce, it's automatic uh, notification. I don't know if he could even call it notification, because the, the, the marriage is put on hold. That's what it is. It, it's put on hold and the sexual relations are prohibited. But it's not nullification because if we said nullification, it would mean that if, she, if he became Muslim, he would, she would have to remarry him. But this is not the case. If he becomes Muslim, they carry on with the marriage. So it's not actual nullification, but the, the marriage is put on hold. Huh? Suspended, yes. Maybe you call it suspended. And she's not allowed sexual relations. It would be better than not declaring her Islam. Yeah. 
No, it's not necessary for convert wife and husband to remarry. No. No. Not required. Unless their marriage was one of those living type arrangements, right? Because you have in the Philippines, people are married informally. You know, you have a living who is who you who ends up like your wife. You have children and everybody accepts you, this is your wife. But in fact, you have not formally married. In that case, it would be better if you came into Islam to get formally married. And the civil. Yeah, but there's a third kind. It's called the living. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, what it is, because the living in a, is, 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 is different from a, just a mistress. Because you have people who have lived together for years, they have children and everything, they're living together, they're forming, you know, it's like an informal marriage. It's like an informal marriage. In America, they call it common law marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you have that third form, right? Which, you know, would be preferable that such a person, you know, people, if they became Muslims, that they, you know, formalize it. That their children would be looked at as their children. Yeah. It's not necessary. Huh? Is it? To remarry? If they were married formally? No. It's not careful. To remarry after becoming Muslims, if you were formally married, Previously, this is not preferable. I'm saying if you did it, we not say this is haram, but it's not preferable. Why we say it's not preferable? Because when the daughters of Prophet Muhammad Sallam went uh, after accepting Islam uh, and were separated from their husbands for some period of time, when the husband accepted Islam, they went back together without a remarriage. So this is the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad So the preferable is not to remarry formally. To go to sleep early? Brother's uh, question is there any hadith which advises Muslims to go to sleep early? Like after Isha? We could say that the recommendation for making Salatul Fajr more or less is a recommendation to go to sleep early. Because the later you go to sleep, the more difficult it is to make Fajr. Yeah, but you know, in terms of the Prophet stating, you know, go to sleep after sunset or go to sleep after Isha or no, we don't. Not that I, rec- I recall. His own practice, but you see the thing is that his own practice again, you see, unless he has linked it up somehow with a command or something with a reward or something like this, then it becomes a natural practice, which we are not necessarily required to follow. You know, because there are certain things that he did, because once you do that, then there are a lot of th- other things. He used to blow his nose in his garment, you know, 
Are you not to know to what this? To do this? Right? He advised us if you're going to spit, don't spit on your right side or under your shoe, but spit on your, or sorry, in front of you or to your right side, but spit under your shoe or to your left. Are you going to tell people now in the master here? Spit on your left? Spit under your shoe? No, I see, we have to understand that there are certain practices which were particular for that particular circumstance, you know? And those things, especially those things which Prophet did, which he did not connect with the religion through saying that there is reward in it, or, or do it this way, you know, a command or suggestion, recommendation, if we don't find that in it, but just something he did, then we are not uh, expected to, to follow that. If you follow it, you know, because of your intention of trying to be as close to Fatima Sallallahu as possible, you get reward for your intention, but it's not, not for the action. And we know this for a fact, because of the fact that Ibn Omar, who was considered to be the companion who used to most closely imitate the Prophet He was known whatever kind of dress the Prophet would get, he would go and get a dress like that. The Prophet got a ring, he put it on his little finger, he got a ring, put it on his little finger. He used to walk this way, he used to walk the way the Prophet walked. He used to do everything the Prophet used to do. This was Ibn Omar. But now Abu Bakr, Omar, Uthman, Ali, they were not known to do it. The leading companions, those the Prophet guaranteed are going to be in paradise. Only Ibn Omar used to do it. The Prophet didn't prohibit Ibn Omar, but he didn't recommend what Ibn Omar was doing. So you on a personal level, if you choose and you decide that I would like to just be like the Prophet in everything that I can be, you get reward for your intention. However, this is not something which Islam says you should do or encourages you to do, etc. But in the things that he has commanded us to do, he has advised us to do, etc., these are the things that we try to find and do. Well, I, I don't know. Um, I know there is a statement that um, after Isha, he didn't used to entertain uh, guests and visitors. People would not come for uh, discussion or talk, no visiting after that time. But uh, this was his own personal uh, practice. This is Kahajud. Isha Pray used to delay to the, the latter part of the first third of the night. Okay? So I mean, he's not praying it initially when it came in, but he would delay it somewhat. Huh? But, um, in terms of the latter part of the night in general, that is tahajjud. Right? But he would still tahajjud with something, he didn't stay up all night and make tahajjud, but he went to sleep and got up, you know, in the latter part. When does Isha prayer become late? When, when, it, when it becomes outside of its time, it's after the coming in of Fajr. But the probable time is before the middle of the night. The middle of the night, not meaning midnight, 12 o'clock, but the middle of the, what is considered the night is from, if you take the time from the setting of the sun to the, to the uh, beginning of the dawn, and you divide that, that gives you what is the middle of the night. 
Praying before sunrise is fulfilling the basic obligation of prayer. Praying in Jama'ah is to get the full reward of the prayer. I mean, for the man's prayer, the maximum reward comes when he prays in congregation in the masjid. If he prays in his home, he gets the reward of that prayer, but not the maximum reward, which is praying in congregation. Well, the majority of scholars hold that it is not sinful. Uh, some minority do hold that the prayer in congregation is in fact itself compulsory. So to pray it, deliberately pray it, uh, individually is considered a sin. But I, I think this position is a weaker position, actually. 27 times for praying in congregation in the masjid. Yeah. 27 times more than praying as an individual. You know, again, we're entering into an area of speculation, right? You know, unless you, somebody can produce a hadith in which Prophet said, go to sleep early. After Isha prayer, go to bed. See, then we cannot say that it is not permissible or it is disliked. I would say only from the point of view that if a person finds that in staying up late, they are missing their morning prayer in Jama'ah, then it becomes disliked for the person to stay up late. Because whatever is going to affect the fulfillment of a command, it must be something which is disliked or may even be haram. Right? So as they say, you know, they have a statement the Fuqaha or the scholars use, you know, whatever is necessary for the fulfillment of something which is compulsory becomes compulsory. So if the only way that you can get up in time to pray Fajr is to go to bed early, you ha then it becomes compulsory for you. But we cannot take this for everybody because other people may be able to go to bed late and get up to Fajr. So it becomes compulsory for you who is unable to get up for Fajr when you go late? Hmm. Yeah, if, yeah, unless you choose to do that. You understand? This is, this is the general principle. Okay, inshallah. I think uh, time to call it quits. Um,
we hope, inshallah, that the advice which the Imam gave us from the khutbah is something that we all will take to heart. The importance of the kalima tayyibah, the good word. And we try to implement this in our life, not just something we have heard, we have discussed, we have intellectually understood, but something which we should try to implement in our lives, make it a part of our, our interactions with people, you know, and... No, 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 let's roll out, we can talk with it after, okay. Uh, yeah, we're done now, man, you know, we're running down now, man. Shut the show. So, inshallah, we ask Allah to, to help us to, to make this kalima tayyiba a part of our, uh, our makeup, a part of our nature, a part of our daily lives, and to reward us with its effects, its tawfiq in our actions, in this life as well as in the next. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashadu wa la بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم كلا إن الإنسان ليطغى أو رآه استغنى إن إلى ربك الرجعى أرأيت الذي ينهى عبدا إذا صلى أرأيت إن كان على الهدى أو أمر بالتقوى أرأيت إن كذب وتولى ألم يعلم بأن الله يرى كلا لئن لم ينته لنسعا بالناصية ناصية كاذبة خاطئة فليدع ناديه سندع الزبانية كلا لا تطعه واسجد وقترب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أنزلناه في ليلة القدر وما أدراك ما ليلة القدر ليلة القدر خير من ألف شهر تنزل الملائكة والروح فيها بإذن ربهم من كل أمر سلام هي حتى مطلع الفجر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لم يكن الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب والمشركين منفكين حتى تأتيهم البينة رسول من الله يتلو صحفا مطهرة فيها كتب قيمة وما تفرق الذين أوشوا الكتاب إلا من بعد ما جاءتهم البينة وما أمروا إلا ليعبدوا الله مخلصين له الدين حنفاء ويقيموا الصلاة ويؤتوا الزكاة وذلك دين القيمة إن الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب والمشركين في نار جهنم خالدين فيها أولئك هم شر البرية إن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات أولئك هم خير البرية